welcome to the Empower Church podcast. My name is Matt Garner, and I'm the pastor at Empower Church here in Melbourne, Australia. We're so glad you've joined us today, and I am believing that today's message is not only going to inspire you and encourage you, but it's going to empower, equip, and challenge you to be everything that God has called you to be. Hey, if you want more information about what we're up to at Empower Church, just jump on our website, empowerchurch.co, and all the details are there. We really hope that you enjoy the message. Being a part of Empower is really an invitation to inviting the Holy Spirit to really start um, uh, re-sifting out that which is not of Him and allowing the Holy Spirit to illuminate that which is of Him. Being a part of Empower and this journey that we're on as we pursue and as we set our hearts to become radical followers of Jesus is really an invitation for the Holy Spirit to come and commandeer your career, commandeer your house, your possessions, your belongings, and offer them as a vehicle by which Jesus, the Holy Spirit, can come and use them for His purposes. It starts with a a surrender and it starts with a moment with Him that changes everything. But being a part of Empower, and I really believe, I've said this a few times, but I really believe with all my heart that God is moving powerfully in the church across the earth at this time. I believe God is moving maybe more powerfully than we can actually understand. I believe that there is a shake-up in the context of the Western church right now that will become more and more evident in the next five to 10 years. But at some point in time, God, the Holy Spirit will start tapping you on the shoulder, on the door of your heart and start inviting you into a deeper way of doing life with Him rather than just, um, rather than the expression of church that we've had over the last couple of years. And we are corporately saying that we want to participate with what God is doing. We are actively pursuing and asking the Lord, what are you doing in this time? I want to say, um, and I want it to just be, I want it to be really clear. We don't think that what we're doing is better than somewhere else. Not at all. There's a lot of wonderful churches around this area, around Preston, around um, you know, in these north, northeastern suburbs, lots of wonderful churches. I called Pastor John Spinella from Encompass Church um, just to let him know, hey, we're kind of going to be neighbours for this next season. And he was wonderfully open and encouraging and said, great, awesome. You know, it's about the kingdom and, you know, is there anything we can do to help and all the rest of it? And that's kingdom. How beautiful is that, isn't it? So if you don't like this church, go to that church. It's a really good one. But it's an invitation to participate. And here's what it's an invitation to participate in. It's an invitation to kind of go back right to the book of Acts. Like we're not trying to reinvent something and make something new. We're trying to go way back to being these people that are radically devoted to Jesus. And here's the cool thing, right? Here's the thing that I want you to know. 
is we don't want to try to box that into a style of what this church is. Our heart, and I believe that what God wants to do in you is unique and it's powerful. And whether you're just a a child or a teenager or a youth or whoever you are, or whether you're in your 90s, like there is someone here today, whoever you are, you are number one, you are valued by God and you are valued by us. We honour you and we love you and we know that there is a place for you. We know that there is a place for you to connect and to belong and to believe. And like I heard one preacher say a long time ago, if there's just still a breath inside of you, God's not done with you. Do you believe that? Do you believe you being here just proves, it should prove to you that God's got a purpose and a plan for your life? Are you with me this morning? I want, I, just want, I want you to get this this morning because I reckon some of you are, are going through hell right now. Some of you are battling some demons right now. Some of you are going through a tough time maybe in your, in, with your own health or mental health or with a family member or, or financially or whatever the case might be. But the fact that you're here right now or listening to this on a recording, I want to tell you that God is not done with you. He's got a plan for your life and you've just got to keep looking looking to Him because He is going to work it all out. You know, the the crux of my message a couple of Sundays ago was uh, around this idea that sometimes God is reinventing, um, I said said these three words, I said said, uh, rebuild, reinvent and restore. And the crux of the message was sometimes we're asking God to rebuild what we had, to rebuild what we had, but there are seasons where God goes, I'm not rebuilding that. I'm reinventing that to look like something else. And we scoured through the Scriptures last time we gathered and we, we kind of landed on this idea of the temples. Remember there was the temple of Moses, the tabernacle. We spoke about the tabernacle. I love the tabernacle of Moses. It's powerful. It's incredible. Every part of how the tabernacle was designed, the most perfect piece of architecture, speaks of who Jesus is Himself. Remember that? It's a hundred even the items of furniture in the tabernacle, they They speak of the glory and the majesty of who Jesus is. Even the gateway into the tabernacle. Do you remember this? I'll just, for those of you that weren't there, um, we we spoke about how just the the gateway was made up of four different coloured pieces of fabric. Blue, white, scarlet and purple. The blue speaks of Jesus' heavenly origin. It speaks of His heavenly origin. The white speaks of Jesus um, that He was... uh, the perfect, he was sinless, he was spotless lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. The scarlet represents the blood that he shed on the cross of Calvary and the purple represents his uh, royal nobility that he is not just the king but he is the king of all kings. This is our Jesus. Isn't that exciting? See, it also preaches to us that the only way into the into the tabernacle, into the presence of God, into purpose and into what you were born for is through the doorway, which is Jesus himself. 
But there came a time once the Israelites had gone through um, the wilderness and were entering the promised land and we fast forward and we fast forward to the tabernacle or the temple of Solomon. And Moses and all his people um, or people in that time, as Moses is building, reinventing something, they could have been saying, but we want the old tabernacle back because that's what we know. But there are seasons that God shifts in such a, a cataclysmic way that He asks you to let go of what you know and to embrace this new thing. Uh, it's the same thing, but it's being done in a new way. Then we fast forward and we have the tabernacle of David. We have the temple of David and rah, rah, rah. Then we come to the book of Acts, which is where we landed last time. And uh, one of the points I made was around this idea that um, did you have you ever wondered why God in the book of Genesis didn't create a temple? If that was the way that God wanted to connect with us, don't you think he would have built some sort of sweet church with a good sound system, hot lattes as you arrive? That Holy Spirit barista, he is the man. You know what I mean? Perfect temperature. You want a hot latte? It's done. Before you even ask, it's done. Extra hot. You know what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't there in Genesis. Fast forward to Revelation. When John is having a revelation where John is having this vision of this new heaven and this new earth and he starts describing it in all these majestic ways. What's the one thing he doesn't say is there? He doesn't say that he sees a temple. Because the building made by man's hands was never the thing that God wanted to fill. It was the building made with his own hands perfected through his own blood that he wanted to fill. And so I kind of lied because there actually was a temple in the book of Genesis and the book of Revelations, but that temple wasn't a building like that, like this. That's why it doesn't matter where we are. It doesn't matter where we are. Like I get really annoyed where people are like, oh, well, do you know what they've done in that Preston Town Hall? You know, there was, um, or, you know, we used to have a, a part of a church that used to meet in a masonry type of facility and all the rest of it. What about all the demons? Yeah, what about all the demons? But what about King Jesus? He's above them all. I'm not saying we shouldn't go, we shouldn't be prayerful and we shouldn't be um, discerning and we shouldn't intercede and we should have all those sorts of things. We had people praying here yesterday. We believe all those things, but we also believe that there is authority and power in the name of Jesus and the greatest ministry that God has for the church that He wants to do in the world is not in the building. It's in your home and your workplace and some of the darkest streets of this city. It's where needles litter the roads. Addictions are not going to be broken by us just opening the doors of Loyola College and saying, we hope some, hope some people with some problems come here today. No, friend, they don't give a rip about what's going on in here. That's why you've got to be someone that is filled with God's power and His presence. That's why you've got to, you've got to allow the Holy Spirit to commandeer every think he blessed you with to be a missionary in this world 
Somebody help me preach this morning. I need you to understand that you're in your job for a reason. You're in that home, in that street, in that location for a reason. You're in that relationship that's extremely abrasive for a reason. Because it was never about your comfort. Husbands, no elbowing wives, all right? Wives, no, I'm seeing a few people. You know what I'm saying? Like God's got you there for a purpose. Let and submit your life to Him. Let Him touch you in a way that wherever you go, His glory is poured out. Can I, see, can I tell you what I see in my heart and my spirit? I see pubs under the anointing and the power of God as people are there going there to consume a different spirit. There's a Bible-believing person with a furphy in their hand, dare this preacher say it, and a kingdom-orientated person putting an arm around somebody and loving on them and seeing the kingdom of God invade those places. You know what I see? I see in some of these uh, drug injecting areas that that, uh, uh, the government is setting up. I see some Bible-believing, Bible-committed, you know, water-walking, faith-filled Christians walking past that place, not hating on the government for setting it up. Too late, it's already done. But walking down that place, wondering who is there that I can share the love of Jesus with come on God's glory wants to come on you because he wants you you are his temple in the world I haven't even got to my other two points we're going to go home this is bad you knew it was going to happen the whole idea of shoebox revival really and the essence of the message was that that we get in the way of God too much. A shoebox revival was out of this story that I read a couple of weeks ago of the Azusa Street Revival. A man, African-American man by the name of William, William Seymour. He looked more like a pirate than a revivalist, to be honest. He was blind in one eye, had a patch there. But he would pray in a time where there was much racial segregation in downtown LA, there were a group of praying people on Azusa Street. The modern day Pentecostal church, the birthplace of it, obviously the book of Acts, but the rebirthing of it really into the world in this time came because a couple of hundred people got together and started to pray as reporters and as the, I suppose God started moving in a way that people were taking note of what was happening in a service like this, just God's glory would touch people and it wasn't about what someone was saying or whether the music was the right notes and all the rest of it. It wasn't about anything of that. It was about people that had a hunger for the presence of the Holy Spirit and would open up their heart in in such a way that would allow Him to move them even outside of their comfort zones. As it was being reported, the reporters would they'd rock up and they'd be looking for the man that they thought was responsible, William Seymour. And it's often recorded, where is William Seymour? 
that William Seymour had a thing. And that thing was that whenever the Holy Spirit started moving, he would go to a place where he couldn't be seen. And they were poor. It wasn't money. It wasn't nice polished floorboards. But William Seymour built a, a pulpit <laughs> out of some shoeboxes. Not the shoebox you're thinking, my feet are pretty big, so I'd probably need less shoeboxes than you, but like timber crates that lots of shoes would come on a ship in. Whereas William Seymour, William Seymour would hide himself away. At the moment the Holy Spirit started moving, he would hide himself away in that shoebox and pray. And I think one of the biggest things and the most humbling things and the thing I feel the Holy Spirit speaking to me personally, Matt Garner now, on a regular basis is, Matt, when are you going to get out of the way? William Seymour was, why do you, was asked, why do you get in that shoebox? And the answer was, because when the Holy Spirit starts moving, I don't want anyone to accredit what's happening with a man. It's all got to be Jesus. And so we need this shoebox revival. So it's an invitation. It's an invitation to being, um, it's an invitation to, to laying down our lives in a way that we don't care for glory, we don't care for fame, we don't care for numbers, we don't care for, for any of those sorts of things. We just care for him and for his way. It's also an invitation to participate in a new sense and a new way, but an old way of doing community. Acts 2.42, which I was meant to read ages ago, says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled, everyone, sorry, everyone was filled with awe at many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with gladness and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It's a new vision of community. It's a new vision of understanding that the way God designed your spirituality to be its healthiest is connected to others. That's why this environment is important because this is one of those dynamics. That's why Hebrews tells us don't forsake the fellowship or gathering or connection with other believers. Now, can you be a Christian without attending a church the kind of the answer, to be honest with you, is probably comes to your down to your personal definition of church. But if we really zoom in on what that word ecclesia is, Matthew chapter eighteen, it means the called out ones. It's actually a plural word. It's not the called out one. Now God can use one absolutely, right? But the very essence of the church is like what. I suppose the other illustration that, um, that the, the writers in the New Testament uses like a body. It's like, yeah, you can be a cell, 
but you're going to not be in the greatest place of health if you're just a hand out here doing your own thing. You've got to be connected in. You've got to be connected in to Christian community. Did you hear what I said? You have to be connected into Christian community. You've got to take responsibility. Can we just have family talk now? Is that all right? Some visitors, all good. This is how we just talk here. You are responsible for the connection into the community. The organisation of the church is not responsible for the connection into the community. We're going to put lay the table, but you've got to decide to eat, Right? And I'm not talking about small groups and I'm not talking about all those sorts of things. We're going to do all those, we pro- provide avenues of connection. But I'm talking about your own personal spirituality. Do you have a group of people that you get together and you share your heart with of what the Lord's saying or what He's doing? Do you have a group of people in your world that you're uh, saying, hey, I've got this going on right now. It's hectic. Can we pray together right now? Hey, I've got this struggle happening or this is going on in my marriage. Do you have that, those people? Do you have, do you have those people that you are intentionally connecting with in order for your discipleship and your health to continue? Because we in the Western church have been way too reliant on the programs that the church provides And if we gel and fit with them and they're good with our schedule, then we're in. But we've got to realise and come to a place of devotion to Jesus that our schedule is His. (laughs) That our schedule is His. Repeat that after me. No, don't, uh, don't want to be accused for brainwashing. Our schedule belongs to the Lord. And so people that are devoted and followers of Jesus make it a commitment and a priority to be in fellowship with others that are going to sharpen each other, that are going to speak into each other's lives, that are going to challenge. Have you got that kind of friend that's just like, mate, you you, you really need to work on this? Because I reckon you should. I reckon you should. It's an invitation to being a part of community. It's an acknowledgement that this community, we say it like this here, we say it, uh, hubs, homes, and hearts. It's a three-way commitment, right? It starts at the heart. It starts at your personal commitment as a follower of Jesus. It starts in the heart. Then it's about the home. It's about being responsible for your devotion, your family, all those sorts of things. But it's also acknowledging that we gather like this in hubs. And this is a place of empowering and sending. This is a place of celebration. This is a place where we want to get together as the church and really see God move in here, empower us so that He will send us. The last thing that I want to, I want to say today, Calv, you can jump back up if that's all right is that it's a vision of us transforming our world through being deeply transformed. Spoken to a lot of people on this journey as we've started Empower. 
you know, all the church growth experts just say, just get a, get a band, get the best band that you possibly can. Make everything as comfortable as you can for people and you'll have an instant church. It's probably true, to be honest. We've become pretty reliant on those kind of mechanisms. And we've thought that that is the thing that's going to transform the world. Just crowds, crowds, crowds. More people, more people, more people, more people. We have a radical commitment to small, to be honest. Like if this building starts filling up over the next couple of weeks, the answer isn't how do we put on another service? The answer is where do we pioneer a new community of believers? Where do we do that? Because I'm not, I'm not like, I thank God for each and every one that comes. But it's not about attending. It's got to always be about sending. It's got to be about how we empowering people. And I think we've got to be careful that we don't slip back into this track that just kind of goes, well, if we can just get more and more people, that's success. Because it's not. Like there's more, if that's success, the football's winning. You know? People go out in the rain for the football. And let's be honest, it was a lot harder to get up this morning than it was to roll in at 3 p.m. But see, it's about, it's about realising that community transformation takes place when there's deep inner personal transformation. If you're going to write anything down today, I want you to write this down. It's about being not doing. Intimacy must trump activity. Intimacy must trump activity. And I close just with this thought, Acts 2.42, we just read it. Because I've gone way over time. Sorry, I'm so boring. But in order to have an Acts 2.42 type of devotion to Jesus, because I think it's easy to preach and shout about, sounds really great. But in order to actually have that devotion, have an Acts 2.42 devotion, you know, because we want to tell you about gathering and we want, don't forsake the fellowship of the brethren and, oh no, I haven't really seen anyone. I haven't been to church. The pastor's telling me off. Uh, Like see past all that. That's not really what I'm talking about. Because... The devotion is impossible. The Acts 2.42 devotion is impossible without the Acts 2 chapter 1 encounter. We're trying to do it backwards sometimes. Get busy, get busy, get active, get active. No. Get intimate. Out of your intimacy with Jesus flows your activity of ministry into the world. Your being, your doing must flow out of your being. The reason why you're tired and you're worn out and you got hurt at church and all those sorts of things happen is because your doing trumped your being. See, being looks like solitude and silence over busyness. 
well-being looks like having a personal commitment to opening up the Bible every single day in your life. As opposed to going, Lord, what do you want me to do today? No, the transformation we're going to see happen in our community is going to happen when we experience a deep transformation here. Then you know what? Evangelism becomes easy. Worship becomes easy. Praying for the sick outside of a very Christian context becomes easier. (laughs) Seeing someone set free from something that they're struggling with. Ministering to the poor and the broken and those that you would never normally sit with and, and, um, and love becomes easy when it flows out of your being. So it's an invitation. It's a bad invitation from a pastor that wants, um, that has stuff to get done because it's, it's actually an invitation to say no to involvement and yes to intimacy. Build the church, man. Because, I, 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 like, I don't care who, how this happens. Like, acoustic and a keyboard, we can do that every week. We don't even need to set half this stuff up. The church is you. The church that's going to change the world is not here. It's you. Come on, let's stand to our feet and let's pray. believe the Lord's calling you right now just into a moment with Him would you lift your hands right now and just just bring your heart before Him we're short on time we don't know how long it's going to pack, take the pack down but I want to take this moment right now I want to take this moment just to honour the presence of Jesus thank you Lord thank you Lord you're so good Praise your name, Jesus. We praise your name, Jesus. We praise your name, Jesus. Father, that's what we want. And even corporately, Father, our commitment in these gatherings is to position ourselves for the... To, we want this place to be like an upper room. We want this to be a place where we come together and we pray and we seek your face and come with all of our our stuff come with all of our our brokenness Lord the only one perfect is you and we humbly come before you Father no one's better than anyone else in this room but we come equally as your children humbly Father inviting you to to come and fill this place fill our lives Maybe you're here today and you're just saying, Matt, I don't actually have that devotion that you're talking about, like I've been slack in that way or whatever. Just right now, we're not going to get you out the front and get you to do anything like that at this moment. But why don't you just have a moment with Him? Why don't you just speak to Him? Say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. In the busyness of life, I'm sorry. In the busyness, Father, of my world, my devotion hasn't been what it should be. 
And then invite Him right now. Say, Holy Spirit, come and fill me afresh. Come on, just pray that prayer. Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, I need a new encounter with You because my being, my being's broken, Father. And so Holy Spirit, come and move afresh in me. Holy Spirit, come and touch God, the hardest of hearts this morning. Lord, come and touch the hardest of hearts. Come and touch the hardest of hearts. Father, those that don't know You, those that are just here because their parents dragged them along, those that are just whoever, maybe, maybe the kid dragged them along, I don't know, but Lord, touch every single person right now. Fill us with Your glory right now. Come on, would You just lift a hunger before the Lord? Fill us with Your glory and Your power, Jesus. We need a fresh touch of Your Spirit. We need You to move in power, Jesus. We need You to move in power. Sarah's going to come just now, but at the end of our service, I'm going to invite the prayer team to come and just make it available if you want prayer. Um, We'd love to pray with you. Maybe you're away from God, you don't know Jesus, or you brought someone that's not. You know they need to give their lives to Him. Repent. And I want you to, I want you to invite them to, and bring them down um, in just a few moments. And stand with one of our team. Let us pray with you. Let us believe God with you. God is a miracle-working God. He really is. Or maybe you just want prayer because you're like, I want to respond to this message. Come on, grab a seat, Sarah, why don't you come?